You are now tuned in to the Storm Tracker Podcast. Welcome back to the Storm Tracker Podcast. I'm Marcus Benjamin, representing CanesCounty.com, part of the Rivals.com network. Make sure you subscribe to the Storm Tracker Podcast on all platforms. Also, subscribe to this YouTube channel live from Canes County. This is our weekly edition of Scouting the Opponent, and Miami, of course, plays the Louisville Cardinals this week, so I've got Ty Spaulding joining me from Louisville Rivals Cardinal Sports. Thank you for joining me today, Ty. Marcus, I appreciate you having me, man. Big game, uh, big game this Saturday. Yeah, and it it's now a trophy game, Ty, um, you know, which is – you know, different for for this series, but they will be battling for Howard Schnellenberger's uh, boots, uh, I guess you could call them. Uh, so it should be a fun one down at Hard Rock Stadium. So Louisville has done a great job at, at recruiting a lot of South Florida players lately. Got several players that have decided to to make the trip up north. Uh, to Louisville, Kentucky, to spend their college years. Why think that's been the case as of late, Ty? Yeah, I mean, I think the place to start is yet to go back to the Charlie Strong era at Louisville. That really got the Miami pipeline started, and really it all begins with Teddy Bridgewater, you know, out of Miami Northwestern High School down there. Um, his high school class that featured, you know, Michael Lee Harris, um, yes. some other guys that really uh, paved the way. Corvin Lamb, um, that's a name from the past as well. You know, that sure. that whole era just started a, a really strong um, connection um, from Miami to Louisville. And since Charlie Strong started that, it, it's continued and it's it's developed into, you know, a, a place that, that, that kids from down there really always give a look to. And, you know, even going to, to Tutu Atwell, who, who was also a Miami Northwestern product, you know, he was just um, the guest. You know, Louisville has a guest before every home game to – get the game started, they, like, push a horn. And he was there on Thursday night for the Virginia game, um, 2-2 out well for the Rams. And um, so just ever since the Charlie Strong days, Louisville's just had a really good rapport with with the Miami area. And obviously um, this year's team is no exception. You know, Stan Quan Clark is, is is a true freshman that's from down there that they they really uh, really honed in on and really had to beat out some big-time schools for. And then you even go to, you know, an older guy like Jarvis Brownlee, who's from uh, down there as well, um, transfer from Florida State. So I really think it's, it's, it's been a accumulation of Charlie Strong getting it started and, and just, you know, the coaches that have, have come in after him really – uh, keeping those connections you know, in a good place. And, and a lot of kids from down there have seen the success that the Teddy Bridgewaters have had, the Tutu Atwells have had, and 
and they've just given Louisville a serious look um, when when the time comes to pick a school. Yeah, absolutely. All those players that you named are kind of South Florida legends uh, down here, especially Teddy Bridgewater. Tutu Atwell still does a seven-on-seven down here now yearly. Michael Lee Harris just took over a head coaching job at one of the powerhouse schools down here at Miami Northwestern. Stan Quan Clark was one of the best linebackers. I thought he was the best linebacker in South Florida last year. Um, so for Louisville to get Stan Quan Clark was a really big get for the Louisville Cardinals. And that I don't think that's going to slow down anytime soon. I'm pretty sure uh, they'll continue uh, pipeline and, you know, to get players like Brownlee to transfer. Um, uh, I believe originally he was at Florida State now at um, – now at Louisville, um, he came out of Carroll City. You know, the, the list just kind of goes on and on. For and Louisville. let me jump in real quick. I, I, I would be remiss to not mention TJ Capers, who um, is more of a, um, as recent as it gets, a, a reclass that uh, joined Louisville's team. And yeah, that was a big get as well. So I uh, didn't mean to, to cut you off there, but as – as more names come to mind, I just thought I'd mention him as well. He was a huge get um, in this most recent recruiting cycle. Yeah, I'm glad you did mention him as well. Uh, definitely an outstanding talent out of Columbus, um, you know, state champion uh, down here in Miami. So, yeah, it, it just kind of continues to build for the Louisville uh, Cardinals. So it's going to be a homecoming for a lot of players once they get down here in South Florida. So not only do they, you know, obviously want to win the game for obvious reasons, trophy game, um, ticket to the ACC championship game, but just to do it in front of their families as well, it's going to be huge for some of those guys as well as the Miami guys as well, because it's senior day uh, for the Hurricanes. So wanted to also talk about head coach Jeff Brom. Uh, obviously, he's made a huge difference for the Louisville Cardinals. And what have you what have you seen from from him this season, and and this offense? Like how much how much of a difference has has he made? Obviously, he's made a difference with with the record uh, because you know the the Louisville Cardinals were announced as the tenth ranked team in the country last night when it comes to the college football playoff, but. From your perspective, Ty, you know, how big of a difference has he made for this football program? He's made a huge difference. And I, I think when you look at the last guy that was here compared to Jeff Brom, you know, Jeff Jeff is from Louisville. He played at Louisville. The Brom family is essentially the first family of this program. And you're never going to find anyone that cares more than Jeff does. You know, the last guy that was here, Scott Satterfield, just you know, he never really vibed with this city. Um, he never really vibed with the uh, the fan base. And, you know, Jeff is a guy that he gets it. He understands what this fan base is about. He understands what the city's about because he played here. He's from here. He lived here his whole life. And he cares just as much as, the biggest, you know, diehard crazy fan does, and you can't put a dollar amount on on caring, and that's that's where it all starts. Is Jeff Brom cares? He wants this program 
to win just as bad, you know, as, you know, John Smith does. Um, that's been going to games for 20 years. And, and that's – you really can't put a price on that. But going into the specifics, you know, he he's really instilled a belief in the locker room that, you know, wasn't there previously. You know, the first game of the season, they, they were trailing by – two scores at halftime and you know he he really you know talked to the guys at the break and and after the game after they came back and won you know a lot of the players were saying how you know none of them none of them believed they would lose the game they all just knew they were going to come back and win and you know they're four and0 and in one possession games this season. Um, you know, the, the Georgia, Georgia Tech game, as I mentioned, the Indiana game, they had to get a goal line stop to win that game. Uh, NC State, they had to, you know, come from behind. And then Virginia, most recently, they had to come from behind. So, really, when you talk about Jeff and what he's done and why this season has gone so well, you know, I think it all starts with just the way that he's gotten this locker room to buy into what he's trying to get them to do, the way he's gotten this locker room to believe that, you know, if they play for the guy next to him, if they play, you know, every down, every series, um, you know, as, as hard as they can, then they're going to win every game they're in. And really, I think that's where it all starts. And then, you know, just from the personnel and the roster construction, I think, you know, he really did an awesome job with the transfer portal. You know, every seemingly every transfer he's brought in has really hit the ground running and it's made an impact. You know, both starting offensive tackles are transfers. Jamari Thrash, the second leading receiver in the ACC, is a transfer. You know, both starting safeties are transfers and you know, even Isaac Garendo running backs a transfer that that's had you know has had a three touchdown performance you know two weeks ago and then backed it up with the game winner um, on Thursday against Virginia. So, you know, I think Jeff's just done an awesome job of of really getting this locker room to believe in what he's doing, to buy into what he's you know what he's trying to get established here from a culture standpoint, and then the the, the talent acquisition is obviously you know, been been there as well. So I think those are the main things that, that really have Louisville in a position to have a special season. Absolutely. And Louisville and Miami are two teams that are really kind of embracing NIL uh, from what I understand, from what I understand from, from your side as well. Is that the truth? Do you, do you feel like they're, they're really kind of embracing, I guess, this new era of college football that is, you know, making sure these, these kids you know, are able to profit, I guess, off of their name, image, and likeness? Yeah, I mean, Louisville's collective has done an amazing job. Um, just since all of this became legal, they, they've really just always tried to stay ahead of the curve in everything they do. And, you know, there's some really smart people that lead the collective, some really dedicated uh, donors and boosters that that just have really put Louisville in a position to attract high level talent 
you know, both from the high school ranks and from the transfer portal ranks. And and I think this winning, the winning that, that Louisville's done this year has only helped them, you know, get people to to jump in and, and contribute. You know, when you can, yeah. when you talk about uh, return on investment, there's no better ROI than, than a winning winning team, in my opinion. And this this team has has really shown that NIL can can directly impact the results on the field. Um, so so yeah, Louisville's just done an, an amazing job. The infrastructure they have in place, the the resources that they have, the the collective is is now the official collective of the university. So they work hand in hand with the school. They did a flash give at a game earlier this season and and raised a ton of money um, just from putting a QR code up on, on the scoreboard. So they've really done some interactive things to get fans involved. And I just think that's been a big part of, of what they've done on the field this season and, and what they're going to continue to do under Jeff Brown. Good stuff. And I've got, once again, Ty Spaulding joining me from Louisville Rivals Cardinal Sports. So let's talk a little X's and O's, uh, Ty. I mean, uh, first off, how's, how's, the, how's the offense uh, from, from what you've seen? What kind of offense does this uh, – do the Cardinals run? Is it, is it high tempo? Do they usually huddle? It's more of a spread look. Uh, what kind of offense does Jeff Brom run over there in Louisville? Yeah, so Jeff historically has been a spread offense guy that is pretty pass heavy, and um, and really this year at Louisville, he's had to adjust, you know, what he likes to do, and he's had to evolve his offense just because they've been so successful running the ball. Um, so really he, he's gone from a purely spread style offense to mixing in a lot of pro uh, tendencies, you know, eye formation, um, pistol formation, you know, having a lead blocker as we see here on the screen. This was against Notre Dame. Um, you know, having a fullback, you know, as a lead blocker in the running game. So he's been way more balanced this season than he has been in the past. You know, in the past, he's really been 60-40 throwing the ball. And this year it's been, you know, I don't have the exact numbers, but it's pretty close to 50-50 this year run to pass. And a big reason for that is just, you know, how well they've ran the ball with with the running backs and and the offensive line. Um, So really what you'll see is – is a quarterback that, that Jeff's really not trusted to do a whole lot so far. Obviously, there's been games where Louisville's had to come from behind and they've had to throw the ball, but for the most part, Jeff is, has put his quarterback in positions to uh, to really just limit mistakes and, and don't, don't try to do too much. That's kind of been the philosophy in the approach that Jeff's taken this year is just um, run the ball and, and have his quarterback – you know, make some easy throws um, and just try to establish some some confidence. And, you know, in their biggest wins, like against Notre Dame, they really didn't – the quarterback didn't have to do a whole lot. You know, they just they just established the run and they got a lead and, 
they just you know leaned on their defense you know and and last yeah. week against Virginia they did get down and they did you know have to turn it over to Plummer to to make some plays and he made a play he made yeah. a he threw a sixty yard touchdown pass to tie the game so it's really been um, kind of a change of of pace just based on personnel and and what they're good at. Uh, you know, when you look at Jeff, what Jeff likes to do when he was at Purdue in Western Kentucky, he just really likes to throw the ball. And this year he's just he's just not really done that. And like I said, a lot of that has to do with his personnel and, and what this team has excelled in. So the offense is, is going to be run heavy. It's going to be some pistol looks, some, some eye formation, some, some read option looks. Um, yeah. But but overall, it's it's not been a typical Jeff Brown offense. Yeah, it sounds very similar to Miami because uh, Shannon Dawson likes to run a spread pass heavy type of offense as well. But since the running game and the offensive line has been getting such a great push, he's gone to more of a, of a run heavy heavy type of offense. So both offensive coordinators sounds like they're kind of adjusting. Uh, to their personnel. And, um, you know, obviously we're, we're watching, you know, Louisville's arguably their best performance of the year uh, beating Notre Dame. But there's been games where this team has kind of been kind of vulnerable at times or, or looked, you know, where they might actually lose the game, including last week uh, against Virginia, uh, where they needed to come back in the fourth quarter. Uh, to win that game. So, in your perspective, kind of what what happened at the game in that game? How did they get down, and uh, why why did they need that seventeen point uh, comeback to to beat Virginia? I mean, really, every game that Louisville's been in that's been close, and obviously they have the one loss. The common theme in all of the, the close games and the one loss is just turning the ball over at the you know most inopportune times. That that's really been the the story of of their close games and the, and the loss that they had to Pittsburgh. And, and on Thursday, you know, Plummer threw a pick six that just really changed the momentum of the game. It put Louisville on their heels. And it allowed it gave a Virginia team that that was probably on the verge of of rolling over. It gave them, you know, confidence that they could they could win the game. And I think that's just really been the thing with with Jack Plummer is in the close games that Louisville's been in is he's just made some egregious mistakes, some inexcusable mistakes from just a decision-making standpoint that you really just have to be, you have to be better as a 60 year guy. You know, you just, some of the mistakes he's made, you just look at them and you, you just, you just, they're just mistakes that you can't make. And, and really when you make a mistake, like he did in Virginia, the Virginia game, a pick six, you know, it's, you just can't hand a team that that struggles to score. You just can't hand them six points. You just can't. Right. So really, that that was a, a lot of of the story on Thursday is just 
a mistake at a really bad time. And in a freshman quarterback that Virginia had that, that gave Louisville some problems uh, with his feet, you know, I think that was also a story is Virginia's true freshman just really, really, um, really mobile and, and really quick out of the pocket. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that was the story for Thursday and really the whole season when they've had to come back or, or when they've lost. It, it's been just a mistake at, at a really bad time that, that is, has, has put Louisville on their heels and has put Louisville uh, in a position to where they've, they've had to you know, play from behind or, um, or have to sweat, sort it out at the end. So I think that's, that's really been the story is just turning the ball over and, and making mistakes that, that you can't have from a six-year quarterback. Once again, sound like you're talking about Miami here, uh, just because, you know, Miami has kind of struggled with, with turnovers as well, uh, especially from the quarterback position. And if they didn't have those struggles, you know, who knows? I, I think their record would probably very, be very similar to Louisville's right now with one loss. Uh, but let's talk about some of the playmakers that Louisville does have. Um, obviously, Jawar Jordan has been outstanding. As a running back, you talked about Thrasher, who's who's also been an outstanding receiver. Uh, just talk about some of some of the big time players that Louisville has, and what makes them so dangerous. Yeah, I mean, you know, it all starts with Jawar Jordan. You know, he's second in the conference in rushing, and that's that's with him missing a game and really being banged up the last couple games and being limited. And really, when you talk about what makes him special, you have to start with his vision. I mean, he just he sees holes that that you're that you're really good running back even doesn't see, and and he's got an, a niche of being able to squeeze through, you know, holes that that aren't there. Um, and he's a really unique type of running back because. You know he's a, he has a smaller frame, but he also will lower his pads and and run between the tackles if he needs to. And then obviously he he's really good in open space. I mean he he's just making safeties miss. He's really really good at doing that. He's when he when he hasn't been injured, he he's really just had a a knack for taking. Taking taking handoffs to the to the crib. I mean, he's just when you get him in open space, he makes people miss, and he's really quick. He he's typically not going to get caught. He's you know if you give him a give him green grass, he's going to make something happen. So that's that's really where it all starts and ends on offense. But as I mentioned, he's really been he's really been banged up, and you know Louisville had. A couple extra days of rest, you know, playing on Thursday, so maybe he's in a better place from a health standpoint this week. We'll have to see on that. Jamari Thrasher, receiver. What kind second. of injury does he have? By the by the way, um, he he's been dealing with a hamstring injury, and okay. um, as I mentioned, he missed the pit game, the game they lost, and that's an injury that can linger. And he's just kind of played through it and. Um, I don't think he's 
you know, he really hasn't he hasn't missed a game since the pit, the loss of pit, and you know, I don't know if he's would benefit from sitting out a game to really get to 100%. I don't really know the specifics, but that's really been a nagging injury that that's kind of limited what he's able to do. And then Jamari Thrasher, receiver, is is a uh, is another player that's battled injury. You know, he's second in the ACC in receiving, and and really he missed um, he missed the game as well earlier in the season. So um, so yeah, they've had some injuries on offense, and they've really battled some some lingering um, issues with their playmakers. But when you look at, when you look at Jawar Jordan, Jamari Thrash, that's where it all starts at receiver and running back. And then uh, Isaac Garendo is another running back that's came on in, re- in replacement of Jawar Jordan. Um, he's had a, a really good couple weeks. He's had three touchdowns against, uh, against Virginia Tech, and then he had a game winner last week against Virginia. So those are the three guys really at running back and receiver that have been really good for Louisville. Yeah, absolutely. Miami's going to have their hands full on uh, trying to stop uh, Jordan and Thrasher, uh, definitely one of the two best playmakers in all of the ACC. Uh, but let's switch over to the other side of the – Football as well on defense first, you know, kind of what, what kind of defense uh, does Louisville run here? Are, are there a blitz heavy team? Do I, do I drop a lot of uh, players in zone um, in, in a drop eight look or by any chance or, you know, just your take on the scheme and, and some of the playmakers for Louisville that kind of makes them dangerous. Yeah. Louisville runs a four, three. They have, uh, typically, they have a you know a defensive tackle and a nose tackle. They'll typically try to have a a three hundred pounder and a and a probably someone you know two eighty plus in there in the middle. And then they have you know an edge rusher on the outside and a defensive end on the outside. So that's kind of a four down front look. And then they've got two inside linebackers. Um, you know, that are kind of over the B gap. Typically they'll also bring down their inside linebacker uh, from time to time to give more of a five, um, five man front um, and, and, and kind of, you know, make that more of a five, five across look. Um, yes. And then they'll also have, you know, a hat, they'll have, you know, obviously two corners, two safeties, but then they have a hybrid kind of a linebacker safety hybrid role that they call this, they call the star position that um, will, will, you know, cover tight ends in, in the pass game, but will play, you know, around the line of scrimmage in the run game too. Um, so really it's a four, two, five, it's a um, four, two, five look. Um, yeah. And like I mentioned, they'll they'll mix up uh, to kind of get in, you know, to five, you know, more of a five down th- look, and then they'll they'll also do on some passing down some, you know, they'll bring in some some dime personnel. Obviously, they'll mix it up, but um, stand, you know, traditionally, uh, their standard look is uh, is going to be more of a 
like I mentioned, a four-two-five, and I guess maybe sometimes a four-three. Really, um, that hybrid position is you know just kind of bounces around depending on what the offense lines up in. Um, yeah. So um, that's really the the what they try to do scheme wise, and then you know from a personnel standpoint, they've got you know one of the best pass rushers in college football, Ashton Gelati. Leads the ACC in sacks at at ten sacks, and he's been really good. I mean, just a really good pass rusher, but he plays the run as well. Just an all around, you know, defensive end that that's going to make plays. And um, he's a guy that that's been in the program now for three years, and he, he's really just embodied what it, you know what this Louisville program wants to be about and. He was a guy that was under-recruited out of high school that's really just been recruited and developed into a really nice player. At cornerback, they've got a really, really good corner in Quincy Riley that has not given up much at all this season. He, he, he plays uh, field coverage 90% of the time. They'll move him to the yeah. field. And he's he's really really good. He's a veteran. He's he's great in coverage. He he's he's a disciplined guy. He, he you know he he knows you know when to give things up, when to take risks. He's a he's a really really good cover corner there. And then at safety, I think they've got a pair of safeties that have really played some awesome football. Uh, Devin Neal, a transfer from Baylor, and Cameron Kelly, a transfer from North Carolina, that. You know, they both are, are are ball hawks. They both come up with timely interceptions. Devin Neal is second in the conference in interceptions and had a huge one last week against Virginia. So he's been really good. And I just think they've they've got a defense that's really um that's really kind of surprised a lot of people. They've um they've really, you know, played the run well. They're you know, giving up less than a hundred yards on the ground. Yeah, per game, and I, I think you know, just they've made plays when they needed to make plays, and and they've really uh, played complimentary football for most of the season. Yeah, absolutely. They've had some impressive performances, uh, to say the least. I mean, shutting out Duke twenty three to nothing in, in that game to shut out any team is, is impressive. And then uh, the Virginia Tech only put three points. Uh, on this defense as well in, in recent weeks. So um, very impressive defense overall. So Miami, of course, will have to come with their A game as they as they have to. Every game in the ACC has been tough, but this one seems like it's going to be perhaps uh, the, you know, one of the toughest. I mean, although they did, you know, play close with Florida State last week. So we'll see how things shake out on Saturday. It's a just a one-point spread um, tie going into this game. I, I think I was somewhat surprised to see that, uh, to see it just to be as, as low as, as it is, just, just being that, you know, Louisville has, you know, handled teams, I guess, for the most part. I mean, yeah, they, they did struggle with Virginia last week as, as we're watching some of the highlights here where they had to come back in the fourth quarter. Uh, to to beat them, um, but at the same time, 
you know, you, you would think that maybe they would be favored by a few more points, but apparently Vegas is, is high on, on Miami uh, in this game. And they think that, you know, uh, that this will be a very close game. And I tend to agree. I tend to agree that this will be a close game. Um, just it, it all really just kind of depends on Miami's quarterback, Tyler Van Dyke. And, and if he, you know, doesn't turn the ball over like he has been, um, you know, 11 interceptions uh, in, in his last few starts. I mean, it, it's just been horrendous, his play as far as turning the ball over is concerned. So that is going to be the key factor in this game for me. I mean, if, 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 if um, Miami can protect the football and, you know, not throw interceptions in, in, in the end zone, then I think they have a great chance to make this a game until the very end um, because they've got the, the defense and the running game to kind of control the clock here. So I think if they do that, I think this, this could be a close game. But how do you think this game turns out on the scoreboard, Ty? Yeah, I agree with you. I think this will be a close game. I think, obviously, Vegas Vegas knows best, and they see this as a close game as well. You know, I think a lot of it has to do with Louisville just hasn't had a lot of success down in Miami historically or recently. They just – the last time they played down there, they just – looked like they got swallowed whole. They looked like the moment was too big. They looked like they were intimidated. And, you know, I think it's hard to look past the struggles they've had down there, you know, even even if this is a whole different team and a whole different coaching staff, it's really hard to look past that. Um, I'll tell you just from, you know, in Louisville, you know, most people – I feel like a lot of people have a nervous feeling about this game. And, you know, I think most people are not fooled by Miami's record. They know the talent that's on the roster, the the close games they've been in. You know, I think people realize that this is not going to be any sort of an easy win or not even close to that. Um, for me personally – you know, I just feel like – I feel like Louisville's just been a team of of destiny, I guess is maybe a good word, that they have just – they have a knack for winning close games, and I think this will be another close game that that I think Louisville wins, we'll say 27-24 type game. You know, I, I don't – I don't think you – know, I don't think this that's a slight to Miami at all. I – you know, I think Miami's much better than the record indicates, but I think that when you look at this Louisville team, they've really just really just found ways to win and and they've made plays at, at the the most critical times and with what's at stake, um, with you know, an extra couple of days to prepare, um, I think the the external factors there with, with the as I mentioned, playing on Thursday and you know, being able to clinch a spot in the ACC championship, I think those will, those factors will give Louisville an extra push, and I think Louisville in twenty-seven, twenty-four. Yeah, I, I, uh, 
I agree with you as far as uh, the margin and score. I mean, I'm not exactly sure who's going to win this game, to be honest. I mean, it's a coin flip for me. Um, But, you know, it's it's just – it's hard for me to believe at this point that a Tyler Van Dyke-led team will lead a team to to victory over a top-10 team. It's hard for me to kind of believe that at this point. Do I think Miami has the defense to stay in this game? Of course. Do I think Miami has the running game to stay in this game? Of course. I think they're great on special teams as well. But, you know, it's all about the quarterback, right? It's all about the quarterback play. And, you know, you mentioned that Plummer has been kind of a kind of turnover prone as well. So um, I think Miami will do its best to kind of shut down the run with Jordan and force Plummer to throw. Um, and I think they are going to try to force him into mistakes. But at this point, you know, I, I'm going to, you know, side with Vegas, I guess you could say, and, and say that, you know, Louisville pulls out a one-point victory over Miami um, or Miami pulls off a one-point victory over <laughs> Louisville. So to me, I think it's going to be a lower-scoring game, maybe – a you know, 22-21 uh, type of game. Um, but right now it's a coin flip on, for me, of who is going to win. I think that's kind of a cop-out. But <laughs> uh, later on in the week, I actually put an actual prediction and see, you know, you know which side I go with. Um, but, um, you know, it's just I'm still kind of on the fence on this one. Are you coming down for the game, Ty? I am not, no. Um I'll be in Louisville. There is a good amount of – there's a good contingent of Louisville fans that are making the trip, though. So okay, I would prepare yourself for a lot of red at that stadium. Okay. Uh, so certainly looking forward to it. Miami's final home game of the season, senior day uh, for the Hurricanes. Miami will look to knock off the Louisville Cardinals on Saturday. Noon kick, which I'm very, very glad – to hear that this is a noon kick because you know those, those late games they they tend to run very late so thanks again for joining me today ty um i really appreciate you coming on with me for my weekly segment scout scouting the opponent hey no problem marcus good luck to you all this weekend and uh, we will catch up down the road absolutely you as well that's going to wrap it up for the Storm Tracker podcast. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all platforms and also subscribe to this YouTube channel live from Canes County. Most importantly, subscribe to the website, canescounty.com, part of the rivals.com network. Until the next episode.